life is always changing and this is right now, but it doesn't mean forever. everyone, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am chatting with Melissa Paris. She's a certified personal trainer who focuses heavily on prenatal and postpartum fitness. In today's episode, we are talking about just that. We are talking about prenatal and postnatal fitness, how to navigate this hectic time. Birthing a child is certainly no easy feat regardless of how someone does it. And taking care of yourself during this entire period is absolutely critical. Melissa talks us through all of the different phases, giving advice and insight into how to best take care of your body in a way that is safe for baby and for mom. Melissa, aka Missy, is also talking to me about the horribleness that is the bounce back pressure and how to have a little bit more grace during this beautiful time. Plus, the one thing she swears every woman should do after giving birth. Now, this is an episode many of you have asked for for some time. I do not have a child, and so that is why I'm calling in my expert, who also happens to be a mother of two. I learned a hell of a lot in this conversation. This is a topic that many of you have been in my DMs about for a while, so I hope that you enjoy. Make sure you are following along with Hurdle over on social media. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. To all of you who submitted questions for the Global Running Day discussion that I'm having today with the lovely Jess Woods, Nike running coach. Thank you. And if at any point you have another question that you would like me to answer on the show, I am all ears. The link to leave me a voice message and ask a question to be featured on an upcoming episode is in the show notes. And with that, let's get into it. Let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Melissa Paris. She is a personal trainer here in New York, pre and post natal certified, as well as many other things. How are we doing today? Thank you so much for having me, Emily. This is amazing. This is just so exciting to look out your window and see where my kids used to rock climb. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's nice. Uh, a, I feel I haven't seen you since before the the pandemic. Yes. It's been years. So this is really nice for us to reconnect. Yes. And it was a no-brainer when you reached out to me because I feel as though I have so many listeners that are asking me to uh, answer a lot of questions surrounding the entire pregnancy process mm -hmm. from before conception for those maybe even dealing with IVF and other different aspects of becoming pregnant and then being pregnant and after pregnancy. There's so many questions. So to be able to have you in the studio feels like a, it's about time and B, really good timing for Hurdle as a whole. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I really just was so inspired by your content and seeing 
how you're bringing together people. And that really resonated with me, especially after the pandemic, when so many people were just distanced from each other. And just seeing how you're doing that so seamlessly, and then seeing all the women's lives that you touch, made me just like really think about um, some of the things that I wish I knew when I was, you know, in the newly parts of being married and getting pregnant and just feeling like ignorantly blissed. And then going to this wonderful place of starting a family, but also this place of like, oh, looking back of, I wish I knew that, or I wish somebody had told me that when I was starting family. So you have an eight and a half year old Mm -hmm. and a five year old. Yes. (laughs) That must be fun. It's really fun. It's very fulfilling. It's very fulfilling. And you were working in health and wellness long before you had your kids. So give the hurdlers a little bit of insight into your journey within this profession. Yeah, so I will try to make this short, but I um, started actually, I actually started off as a nutrition major in college and quickly realized that I didn't want to work in a hospital or fulfill being like a dietitian. So I went to pharmaceutical sales and that's actually where my, my husband and I started to go to business school. And then, but I always on the side, my side hustle yeah. was personal training throughout college. Like even, I never really stopped. And then my mom had passed and I was like looking for searching for meaning within like my career of like, where am I going? What am I doing? So I actually, my husband's like, just throw in the towel and go back to personal training. So that's what I did. I started training people on the Upper West Side, which is now Equinox, but it used to be Reebok. Mm-hmm. And I worked there for a few years and I started seeing people in their homes. And that sort of evolved also into me really being interested in pre-postnatal and how to train pregnant clients, people looking to become pregnant, and then also just that postpartum piece. Um, And then when I got pregnant with my own, I I was lucky enough to be able to train through both of my pregnancies very seamlessly. But after I had my first son, I was very much like, what? Very, very, very blown away by the fact that like at that first partum checkup, you can just go back to be going working out. That's what like most doctors will say like, oh, you're clear to go work out. I'm like, well, do you know what I was actually doing before? So that's where I became really interested and dove into a lot of research. So I've been doing a lot of things, group fitness, you know, creating my own app, create, doing doing workshops, doing kettlebells. And it sort of all came together when I had children. Of yeah. Like, where do I really want to focus on? Super interesting that you were interested in pre and postnatal programming long before you yourself became pregnant. Where did that interest yeah. come from? I think I was always interested in women's health from the perspective that my mom struggled with cancer for a majority of my life. Mm. So I was just really always curious around women's health and then how to take care of yourself, like mentally, spiritually, all the things. Looking at my mom sort of devote her life to us and not really do anything for herself and wondering sort of where it broke down for her, you know? Hearing that you have this personal connection to your why, you know why this is so important to you, that makes it something that feels more fulfilling for you, yes? Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I know that there's like something in me that that's part of my purpose. Yeah. You know, it's not even like an if or a why or a when. It's sort of like how am I always portraying that message maybe in different capacities. Yeah. So as you started to get into this sect 
of personal training. Were there individuals that you were looking to for inspiration, motivation, or did you feel like there was a gap in the industry for the information that you were seeking to do your job in the best way you knew how? You know, you just somehow knew what to ask. It's an underserved population. There's so many more resources now, but sometimes I think to myself, I know what the resources are because I'm looking for them, right? Mm. Like my entire social media feed is just research. Like I look at people who I look to for information. Um, So yeah, I became really interested in it because I felt like I didn't know where to go. So I started to just put that energy out there and the energy came back. And I had a few resources and books and things and things have even evolved so much from when I eight years ago when I had my own, I guess would be like eight and a half, nine years ago now since I've had my first child and to my second. So I definitely feel like it's getting better, but it's such an underserved population of people looking for guidance. Yeah, yeah. And also thank you for sharing before about your mother. I think that it's super interesting to be someone who is capable of identifying a hole in the market and then it says something about you that you're goal then is to fill it. It's to ask yourself, okay, how can I serve others so that they don't feel how I felt? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that it like kind of makes me emotional because I feel like I would never want someone to feel lost. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's really beautiful, really admirable, and also a driving force for so many in whatever field that they pursue, right? It's like, I want to help someone feel less alone in whatever it is that their journey looks like, knowing how it felt at one point to feel a little bit lost yourself. Totally. Yeah. And I love what you said before when you were clear to start training after your first and you asked, well, don't you know what I was (laughs) doing before? Because what you were doing, as you mentioned briefly, you said kettlebells, just a different level of training that wasn't just, you know, can I go outside for a walk? It was like, okay, but specifically, are there things that I need to look out for? Are there things that I need to take into consideration if I'm going to be moving my body in this different way? Totally. And I'm really grateful that I actually had some knowledge of like a different way to get in quote unquote cardio or conditioning because actually, Emily, it's funny that I'm sitting here and talking to you because you're a runner. I was running through my first trimester and I just like didn't feel good like I constantly felt like I had to pee yeah and I was like oh no what else am I gonna do I need to run it made me feel good for me at that point in my life running was moving meditation I was running through the first trimester and then I was like oof this just doesn't feel great so then I started to do different you know just different types of ways to get my heart rate up and move around and really research too like what it meant to get your heart rate up while you're pregnant and all those things because a lot of that stuff is outdated yeah Let's break this up into pre, during, after. So let's start with a woman that's trying to conceive. If we had to highlight like two to three things that she should be taking into consideration, what are they? Yeah. So I would say, you know, I wish someone had told me this, to have some sort of meditation practice or um, way that you can channel your stress um, because that has a significant impact on your health. And I think some sort of weight training regimen, obviously, as long as you're cleared by the doctor to be able to do those weights, because that sets the stable foundation to be able to even carry a baby, you know, through the pregnancy and then have a easier recovery. And um, 
just a support system. Yeah. You know, a support system. My husband's amazing, but I don't think I even realized until afterwards that I was like, it needs more direction, you know? Yeah. And so you mentioned uh, the strength training being critical so that you could have the support to carry your baby. And that's for a multitude of reasons, right? We're talking bone density. We're talking core strength. Yes. All of that's so all critical to things. being able to support not only like life inside of you, but then also like your body to support the physical weight of taking on this child. Right. And I and I also wish I'm just going to add like another like a fourth thing to that. I wish someone also said to me, Missy, you're not fragile. Hmm. Right. Because I think that what the big misconception is, is like, you're pregnant. Now, what do I do? Mm. What do I do now? And it's like, you're not fragile. Actually, you have superpowers because you're moving around this, you know, space, also making a human. So to understand, like, what continue doing what you're doing as long as it feels good. And that's sort of where that mental, spiritual and that impact comes of where to channel that that energy of yeah. just like not the unknown, the yeah. unknown. Once you're pregnant, understanding that, you know, again, you're not fragile. You can continue training, continue to do what you're doing as long as, like, you know, the doctor says that's okay. And, you know, you always have to say that. Yeah. Your training, whatever it is that it looks for, for you, helps with the recovery. Yeah. Two things to double click on. The first thing is for those that are on their own journey, maybe struggling to conceive, I I feel like you just said like you're not fragile, but those women specifically, at least in the conversations that I've had with my friends who have gone through challenges like mm -hmm. that, uh, really do get into this place where they feel as though like they don't want to mess anything up. Totally. And that's understandable. Mm -hmm. But then how do they move? How yeah. do they take care of them in so that way? So the biggest thing I've seen in this population of women when I'm training them is we take it day by day. Yeah. Right. But the but the mental piece of this is really important to find something that resonates with you. You know, I think for me, I thought, you know, years ago when I was starting meditation, I used to listen to a lot of like Oprah Deepak stuff. And it just really helped me, whether it was like positive affirmations or whatever. So I think that finding something that helps you with that stress of like, is this going to happen? I feel fragile. I don't feel empowered at all. Like, you know, month after month, you know, measuring things. And I think it's that to me is almost more important than some of the physical movement Yeah, is understanding that underlying stressors are not going to help with the overall conception. Yeah. And then something else that you mentioned before was like continuing to do what you were doing. So I yes. know that oftentimes we have questions about what if I wanted to like start running while right. I'm pregnant or start, you mentioned like it's really great for you to add in strength training, but what about for the person that wasn't strength training before? How can they safely add in different types of movement? Um, movement during this chapter yeah so these this type of people you can always do body weight right yeah. you're gonna do you're gonna be doing you're gonna be pushing yourself up out of bed anyway you're gonna be squatting out of a chair you're gonna be lunging to get up off the floor like my favorite thing to do with people is turkish get-ups you need to learn how to get up and off the floor with your own body weight it mm. doesn't have to be complicated and i think that's where in general the fitness world becomes very confusing because you think it has to be this big groundbreaking thing and it really doesn't yeah. and if you haven't done strength training before just understand that you actually do it every single day because you're moving your body, right? Yeah. So how do we make it a little bit more progressive so that it's not stressful? Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about the importance of mindfulness, meditation, breath work, whatever your poison is, movement, and then also having some sort of a support system. And this is critical, not obviously, not only in the 
pre-pregnancy conception phase, but then also, of course, as you move on through the nine plus months and then afterward as you move forward. So let's talk now about the pregnancy aspect specifically. Mm -hmm. Where does one even begin? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's such a wide, and I see how this could get very confusing for people because it really just depends on, this is why things like measuring your heart rate are not accurate. If you're a professional athlete, you're obviously used to having your heart rate in a certain place while you're training, right? So that's not going to be unsafe for you if your body's used to it, right? And then the biggest thing is paying attention to your body. So it's like if you feel any sense of nausea or dizziness, your body's telling you to slow down, Mm. right? So it really just depends on the person and where you, where you came in at, right? So if you came in at an elite runner, you probably can maintain some level of running, right? I, my second, my second uh, pregnancy, I was lifting really heavy and swinging kettlebells. Guess what? I was doing that right up until almost the last day. And I only say that because I felt extremely empowered. I felt good the whole time. I was lifting two 40-count kettlebells at the same time above my head. I was still doing pull-ups. I felt good. So it really just depends. You know, if you're somebody who's experiencing immense amounts of nausea, that may not feel so great if you're lifting heavy things above your head, right? So it just, it does depend. And the way that you can sort of base it for yourself is just tuning in, right? And not powering through because it's not the time to power through. It's time to tune into your body and be like, okay, like take, you know, rest, recover, hydrate, do all the things. Right. Really take care of yourself. Really take care of yourself. What I'm hearing you say here too is the importance of being honest. And, you know, you said that term pushing through and it is so understandable that someone's like, this is my time for me. This is what I want to do right now. But It is so, so important Uh that we do that, that we listen, that we're honest. Right. Especially during this time as you're in a very different place than you were previously. I mean, the last thing I wanted to do when I was pregnant the first time with my first child running on a treadmill, the last thing I wanted to do was stop. Because I think I also had this fear of like, I'll never be able to start again. Mm. And or what if I can't lose all of the weight, which is a horrible mindset, number one, and also like something that irks me in like the social media world of bouncing back. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but it's, it's, so I think I also just, the, the idea of stepping off the treadmill and cutting back was really difficult for me nine years ago. Um, and now I really understand that concept of like ebbing and flowing and waving the load and sort of like meeting your body where it's at in that moment because this is just literally a moment in time. And when you say waving the load, what does that mean? So the way that I train normally is like I'm not going 110% every single day, even, you know, now, right? It's like one day you're 50%, the next day you're at 70%, and then you maybe you're at 95% and save that 100% for the actual training day. And why is that important? So that you can sustain your training throughout whatever it is, your pregnancy, your marathon training, your, you know, weightlifting competition, like real athletes, whether you're pregnant or not, don't work at 100% every day. We don't take those walks. I mean, I'm just assuming that, I mean, I live in New York City. We don't take those walks in nature like we need to or, you know. I get a good amount of sleep, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. sleep is a skill. It is a skill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Isn't it funny, though? I mean, because I feel like at least more recently, that is becoming something that is more widely understood. It's a, 
is that we're looking for quality sleep instead of just quantity oh, sleep. And especially totally. when we're going at a thousand miles an hour and there's so much to do, it's like, how can you control the controllables, adopt your, adapt your situation so that you're enabling yourself to serve yourself in the best way possible? Totally. I mean, if you think about this for a second, this weekend was gorgeous. Yeah. I have my kids on a pretty strict bedtime, but I let my older son stay out until nine o'clock, three nights in a row. Yesterday, he was emotional. And I'm like, of course he's emotional. I let him stay up three nights in a row late. So what do you think that would, could possibly mean for somebody who's sleep deprived trying to conceive, mm. right? That or pregnant, right? Like we really need to take care of our bodies. Yeah. And sleep for some people is not, they have a hard time falling asleep and or staying asleep. But if you're somebody who is a good sleeper, sleep. Yeah. You're <laughs> you're hinting also at the opportunity cost that comes hand in hand with bringing new life into the world, right? Because there are going to be certain things that you may do, certain sacrifices that you make so that you can feel the best you can within your body. And that is also something that's relevant both to someone caring and to, you know, yes. me sitting here, not at all pregnant. Totally. And there were moments when I was pregnant. I can remember specifically with both of them. With my first one, I just remember being in my second trimester and being like, oh my gosh, something came over me. And I'm like, I'm fatigued today. Mm -hmm. And I never cancel anything. It's like something super type A OCD in my mind. And I canceled a client. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm like exhausted. I'm going to go home and rest. And I went home and I lied in my bed and I just started feeling my baby kick. And I was like, oh my God, like I listened to myself and I'm feeling all the things, you know, the kicking, the, I rested, but it was just like something, I remember it. I remember listening to myself because maybe for me that was super foreign, Yeah. you know, until I had a child, you know, which is ironic considering the industry that I'm in, Yeah. right? Like just being like, okay, Missy, it's time to give yourself what you need considering you give it to other people all the time. And a lesson that you've been able to take with you now, understanding that that level of intuition maybe you didn't have before, that happened for you so that now not carrying, you can totally. listen to your body and know a little bit more about what it is that Missy needs to show up for you. Exactly. 100%. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want would want to teach my kids. Right? Yeah. Like I would want them to tell me that they don't feel a certain way and it's time to rest. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsor at Element. Summer brings warmth and sunshine and with it, energizing opportunities to reconnect, move, and play. It also brings a fair amount of sweat and that is why balance is key. Dilute that balance and fatigue follows. Optimal hydration is all about balance too, specifically the right fluid to electrolyte balance. You feel the difference when you get it right. And so when summer brings the heat, Element brings the grapefruit salt. It is my favorite, and it is here to help you enjoy that balance all summer long. Consider grapefruit your ultimate summer salt companion. Go ahead, mix up your tastiest summer recipes, energize your adventures, and most importantly, share and enjoy your health. Get your delicious electrolytes today with everything you need and nothing you don't by heading on over to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get a free sample pack with your purchase. Again, that is drinkelement.com, drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get your free sample pack with purchase today.
for those also during the height of pregnancy, I'm sure there are so many questions yeah. that you get about what's right, what's wrong, et cetera. Is there a certain, uh, you said that you were singing, you said that you're swinging kettlebells until mm -hmm. literally like right before you yes. had your second. That's a case by case basis thing, correct? 100%. I'm sure that's a frequent question that you get about how long can I train for or, you know, in whatever capacity that person is Correct. Working. And I was really comfortable doing that. But that doesn't mean, right, like we can send a lot of mixed messages here. That doesn't mean that I was swinging what I was used to swinging or even as fast or as for many reps, right? There's a lot of different things to take into consideration here, right? Like, Oh, if I'm used to swinging a 32 kg, maybe I was swinging an 18. That's mm -hmm. a big. That's a big difference, right? Um, just moving, moving my body in that third trimester felt really good, and understanding that, and not being tied to ego mm -hmm. of like I have to do this thing. In the days of uh, digital training mm -hmm. uh, apps, I'm just gonna open the Peloton app and find workouts that are made for someone who is pregnant. There are so many things that we are trying to outsource on our own. What would you recommend to someone who is in those later phases of pregnancy when it comes to taking care of their body? Yeah, I think it's breath work, right? Because that's going to really help you be present in your body. And I think that um, it's keep doing what you're doing as long as you can do what you're doing, as long mm -hmm. as that feels good. Yeah, okay. And so... I think the thing that can be challenging for some is like you want personalized guidance, but right. obviously personalized guidance can be extremely expensive. So where is someone to go in that situation? Yeah. So the best thing to do is, you know, there's not a lot of very good pregnancy apps out there because, you know, it's such an individual basis of where people are at. But I would stay stick to basic movements lunging, squatting, picking things up, pressing, and pushing yourself up off the floor, getting up off the floor, and doing that two, three days a week, 20 minutes to an hour, yep. right? Sticking to that program when it feels good. Core work. Yes. Controversial. Yes. And Talk you could do, you could do, so this is, this is something I wish everybody knew. Breathing is core work, right? The diaphragm and the pelvic floor are connected. So if you're getting a full relaxation contraction of your breath, you're working your core. Your pot sitting up straight, you're working your core. So that's why I love non-traditional core work for my pregnant people because I would I don't even now have people doing, not that these are bad, sit-ups and things like that. Definitely not pregnant, but even postpartum now, it the research says that it's like don't avoid movements, right? Like again, we're not fragile, right? You're not going to create maybe worse diastasis from doing one sit-up. I think it's more what you're doing on a daily basis. You have bad posture. That's not even good for your digestion, let alone like your your core. Mm -hmm. So this is why I love non-traditional core work like farmer carries, racked carries, um, squats. It, it's all core work when you're breathing and lifting properly. All core work when you're breathing yeah, and lifting properly. Yeah. Okay. 
now we've had the baby. Yes. The baby is here. Yes. Uh, I know that uh, depending on how your delivery was, if you had a C-section, if you had a vaginal birth, uh, however you brought life into the world right. is going to change right. when you may be able to get back into a regular movement practice. First and foremost, what are the things that mom can do to take care of herself after delivery? Yeah. So interesting fact about me. My first was a C-section. My second was a vaginal. So I have an interesting perspective on postpartum health because I had both experiences. Yeah. Um, but I still, and I had much more knowledge after my second one because again, I went down this rabbit hole of like, okay, what can we do for postpartum women? For C-section, vaginal, um, a couple things you can do. I'm always going to go back to your breath work. That's something you can do immediately postpartum, right? It's free. Um, we need it anyway. You can do it in the shower. You can do it laying in a bed. Just like getting into that parasympathetic state of like out of fight or flight, right? Because right after a baby, we're like adrenaline mode kicks in where we're like, okay, do, do, do more, more, more. I have to take care of this thing. Um, breath work, reaching out to your support system. And then after being cleared from that 67 week postpartum checkup is when I have women doing, I do like a light version of what is called dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. So it's how babies actually learn to walk. It's go from going from being on the ground, doing nothing to walking. And it starts with crawling and rolling and doing all those types of things. So for, for like a postpartum mom, that process happens a lot faster. For some children, they walk at 10 months, some walk at 16 months. So it takes them obviously a lot longer, that period of learning how to do these things. But the concept behind this is that you strengthen your midline, right? Like you strengthen your core. Babies strengthen their core by rolling, rolling over, standing up, all different variations of crawling. It's good for your brain. Um, and that's what I do with my mom's postpartum. Okay. It's and like a variation of all those movements to strengthen the midline. Okay. So really important to start slow. Yes. Is what it's I'm exactly. Here. You don't even have to remember what I just said. Blah, 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 blah. Dyno dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. But it's it's starting slow, right? And understanding that even if you had a C-section, your pelvic floor needs, still needs some attention, right? Because the baby was sitting on your pelvic floor that whole time. And regardless of what, how the baby came out, your abs are still stretched and weak. It's just, it just is what it is. Everybody's abs stretch. So we need to really be mindful of not just focusing on the core, not just focusing on the pelvic floor. That's why I said the body is very smart. If you just focus on breath those first couple of weeks and how you're sitting in your posture, you're doing your body such a service um, it's healing itself, mm -hmm. right? And then that postpartum part, when you can start adding in some resistance work slowly, you need just enough resistance so the body wants to to heal. It's just like strength training, just enough. You wait, you know, you wave the load, so just enough resistance so that it wants to heal, but not too much where it's like gonna go backwards and get injured. You mentioned the. Uh annoyance of the concept of the bounce back. Yes. For those that have just given birth and they feel so stressed out about the bounce back, yep. what do you tell them? We only see on people's social media what is like the highlight reel. We're all where we're actually supposed to be, right? I think it's just a bad message to send to people that we look like we have our body back, you know, in a couple weeks postpartum. It, so I say mute, unfollow, 
do what you need to do for your mental health in that period of time and don't feel bad about it. Yeah. And understanding also to put it in perspective that this is equal, if not so much worse than navigating so many of the, let's say, injuries that some people go through. Not to compare here one versus the other, but know that you just did a very big thing. Huge. 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 And there's not a lot of attention around it postpartum. There's just not. Yeah. I think one of my big life goals would to be like, why isn't there a pelvic floor therapist in that seven week postpartum checkup? Yeah. You know, I remember going to my seven week postpartum checkup with my second and I'd mentioned he was a vaginal. I tore a little bit. Nothing to be scared of. You know, I was super, it was super cathartic for me, like birthing him. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to work out, but I do want to know like what I need to do to make myself feel stronger again right now Mm. in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I asked the doctor, I'm like, oh, do you think I should see a pelvic floor therapist? She's like, no, why? (laughs) And I was like, oh, wait, I was like, you know what? I think I just need to, I need to like, this is my own path. I need to do this on my own. And I think it's really important for women. Everyone should have a checkup and it should be covered under insurance and that's that's what it should be. It should be a, it should be something that is easily accessible to women. For those that may not uh, fully understand why seeing a pelvic floor specialist could be useful to them, can you just explain? Yeah, a bit so about the that? pelvic floor is a, you know intricate muscle group and it has to accommodate space for a baby. And even if like like I said, even if the baby is a C section, your baby still sat on your pelvic floor, adding pressure to your pelvis for that you know nine months period of time. So I think it's really important to just understand the anatomy of yourself mm-hmm. and what's going on so that you can strengthen it because that is your foundation, right? Like we t- we may see in social media, oh, you know, the peeing and the jumping up and down. Like that doesn't have to be a thing, right? Like we may hear it, and it may be something we hear a lot, but doesn't have to be normal. Mm. And that's like something we hear often when it comes to individuals who start to experience some sort of chronic pain, regardless of where it may be. We get to a point, I know, you know, my I'm turning 35 this week and it's like, okay, the older I get, like the more that pain is just going to be a part of my regular occurrence. And it doesn't, doesn't need have to be yeah, that no, way. It doesn't. So I always say this to my kids. I'm like, it doesn't have to be hard. Yeah. Like it really doesn't. And just a few sessions with a pelvic floor therapist would make a mom feel so much more confident. Yeah. You yeah. know, just understanding or even one of se- one session at the postpartum checkup of like, okay, if you had a C-section, how to do scar work? Because that is scar tissue. And we may not be able to fully engage our abs a couple years later if you never did scar work, mm-hmm. right? So just these tidbits of information that might be really resonate with someone to help them as they go through their postpartum period. I don't even mean that for the first year. It could be a couple of years later. Yeah. There are a few things that you've said that I just want to make sure that we highlight again. First and foremost, both during and after, be cognizant of the loads that you're doing and have the grace with yourself to know that things are going to be different now and that's okay. It's so important to meet yourself with where you're at. It's such a short period of time in the grand scheme of things. It's exactly what it is, right? Like give yourself that time. You're going to look back and wish you gave yourself more grace is what I'm trying to say is, you know, I look back and I'm seeing all these things on social media now of like, I wish I knew this when I was 20, you know, and I think some things I wish I knew is like, just slow down. It's okay. Work is going nowhere. And there's always time to train. 
Yeah, there's always time to train. That's such a that's such a really good point. And then also for for the women that are struggling with finding the time, but they want to make it. What do you tell them? I go through this even now as a mom of two and just, oh, you know, the scheduling is always changing and, you know, summer camp is coming soon and I've got to drive them all over the place. It doesn't have to be groundbreaking, you know, 20, 30 minutes, three, four days a week. And if I can get in an extra, great. You know, when I typically do it, for me, I do it usually after drop off. Mm -hmm. And I do my schedule ahead of time. So like Sunday night, I look at the schedule and I'm like, okay, where can I, where can I fit in my training? And it's a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. And I think that this is another really good opportunity to meet yourself with where you're at in terms of what's available to you, right? Like if you have a bunch of things to do during your day and the baby is napping, maybe it isn't a priority actually to work out during that time. Maybe you do need to come back into your body and just like have a beat. And it's okay if sometimes that looks different than maybe how you'd hope. It's like, again, we go back to this idea of listening to your body and being honest about what you need the most in that moment. Totally. And it always evolves, right? Yeah. It just evolves. Mm -hmm. And just to know that life is always changing and this is right now, but it doesn't mean forever. That's so powerful. So... As we start to wrap up here, what other advice do you have for women who are navigating this, as you so gracefully put, such a short time period? In it the is. Of it is. When you're in it, it doesn't feel that way. When it comes to just anything, just life, when you're starting anything new and you can consider after you know the postpartum period, you're starting new, right? Mm-hmm. With the core specifically, maybe not your overhead press, but your core has been stretched and accommodated space for a a human. Um, It's really important to understand that the core and the pelvic floor are connected. So you're not going to just train your core and you're not just going to train your pelvic floor, right? Training them together through breath work and through certain core movements, they strengthen at the same time. Because if you strengthen one and not the other, you have to think of it like a pressure system, right? So if you're just strengthening the center of your abs, the pressure is going to go down through your pelvic floor. If you're just doing pelvic floor work because you're concerned about peeing your pants, then the pressure is going to go out your belly button, right? It's got to go somewhere. So both have to happen together. Mm. And keep in mind that you're using your core actually all the time. So just having good posture, um, carrying grocery bags, that's all core work. Holding your baby, that's core work. So the littlest thing could be could be core work without it seeming like you're doing a side plank or you know a plank and actually those things may not even be the most the best tools for you in that moment um because if you're holding a plank your your abs may not be ready to hold you in that position but you can definitely hold do a farmer carry and some like marches and you're gonna be holding your baby anyway so just um movement non-traditional ab movements i always love for my mom's postpartum because you're gonna be doing them like they're, you're going to be doing them anyway. Getting up out of bed, learning how to roll over is my favorite, favorite thing for the core because the you're strengthening the midline every time you roll. And the midline is what gets the most stretched when accommodating baking space. The other thing I'm hearing you say is the importance of paying attention to the muscles as you engage them, yes, right? And that's totally. something that sometimes we're just like haphazardly going through a workout. We're listening to an app. Or God yes. knows what we're doing. Our heads in totally. a thousand places. So if you're going to commit this time to moving your body, try to be intentional with it. 20 minutes might be enough. 15 minutes might be enough if you're spread really thin with having a new child, right? Or if you're spread thin in general. I'd rather have 15 minutes of intentional movement versus 60 minutes of like all over the place. I was going to say, talk to us a little bit about uh, as 
talk to us a little bit about breaking that up about smaller yeah. uh, snackable movement sessions. Is yeah. that okay? Yeah, no, totally. Something that I love to do is set a timer, right? Pick two movements, push pull, or maybe it's like crawl, rotate. So maybe you're newly postpartum. Something I'll do is like, okay, you're going to just roll and do the first part of a Turkish get up. You're going to stay on the ground and the first minute you're going to do the left side, the second minute you're going to do the right side. And then maybe I'll have them do a dead bug on the third minute. Just do those three movements. Yeah. For 20 minutes. Yeah. And you 30 second one to one rest ratio. 30 minutes, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. Doesn't have to be complicated. It does not have to be complicated. I'd wa- much rather someone be intentional, right? It's like you read a book and you flip you read 100 pages and you're like, what did I just read? I'd rather you sit down, read two or three pages, be really intentional about it and get more out of the movement. And I know that can be really hard in the life that we live in right now because everything is just so fast paced. We see a million things. It's scroll, scroll, scroll. So understandable. Yeah. So many good takeaways from this conversation. I think uh, some of the most uh, poignant ones may be one, everyone is different, right? Yeah, so totally. do your best yes. not to compare, which is extremely so difficult. So hard. Extremely yep. difficult. But if you have the opportunity, talk one-on-one with someone about what's going on in your body so that you can do the best that you can do to take care of you. You just did a really big thing. And that, again, I love that takeaway that this is such a small chapter in the big grand scheme of things. Yeah. And it, I think that postpartum health has made me such a better mom because I give my kids the grace. Why would I give it to myself? If they're burnt out, I keep them home from school even if they don't have a fever. I'm like, stay home. Like, would you go to work if you felt awful? You know what I mean? Even if you're just like overloaded and stressed. No, it's like we need to do less actually. For those that want more content from you, that want to follow along with you, keep up with you, how do the hurdlers find you? I love that hurdlers. I'm easy to find them at Mosa Paris Fitness. I very much enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm over at Emily Abadi at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.